Travis, just to be able to, and a word you're going to hear a lot about over the next year or two or three um, is the, the word orange. And that word is just uh, literally, some of you are Florida State fans, like Ryan Ship just checked out, he's leaving the room. Um, but uh, the word orange is just a really neat word, and it flows from this deep belief that the heart of the family is critical as we participate in what Joel and Emily did, just to say, you know, God, we really do want to raise a child that is just, as we plow our quiver, this arrow flies straight. I mean, for the sake of the glory of God, and that's the heart of things. And then there's this role that you know that if you've watched it all, the church is this flame of God, this flame, depending upon your gradations of heat, but let's just go with yellow. And so we just believe this church has a role. And so all of us make up the body of Christ called Mandarin. And so we have this role as the yellow part to say, we're coming alongside some of you young moms and dads. We're just going to stand in there with you. We're going to be a part of this. Some of us that are adopting and fostering, we're going to, when you need diapers, we're going to come alongside. When you need respite one night, we're going to come alongside. When we, when we have families who are saying, we believe God has called us to move our hearts toward China and we're going to bring a child home from there, which one of our young couples is doing now. I think it's the great privilege of the church to say, we're financially with you. And that's where this red heart and this yellow flame of the church come together. And guess what that makes? So you, you, we all have marbles. So we're all in this game. And so you just thought, I'm done raising. No, no, you're a part of Mandarin. And God's going to use us as the flame of the church and as the homes that make it up. And we're just going to see him glorified. And to me, that's, that's verse 18 of, of the first chapter of the book of Colossians. And, and I, I don't want to get this out of the way, but I can't move on past this without saying, how do you follow the, the expository work of Dan Davis in this message, right? Do you guys not, I mean, I know I say this often, but I'm so thankful for God placing Colonel Dan, Dr. Davis, and any other names you want to call him in our fellowship. And what a great message last week. He was, um, he was razzing me as I went in to join our senior saints this morning and say hello to them. Because I had no better notes than what he said. And so his notes are my notes for this week, right? If you've looked at the back of your Bible, and I fully credited him. And now when I go preach at another church, I'm, I'm stealing it completely, and he didn't have anything to do with it. But uh, it's a great message last week, and there was a part that God just launched my heart as he was teaching, and it was around verse 18, and, and, and I'm not going to even attempt to re-preach what he masterfully did, but in verse... 18 of the first book of Colossians, I believe that something profound is said about us, our role as the people that are yellow, that are lifting high the cross of Christ. And it says this, he is the head of the body, the church. And that is a very liberating moment for all of us to say, thank God it's not you, Mark. You know, thank God it's not some leadership. That's that's not the role. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus, that you will lead your church well. And and if you went to the verses before that, thank you, Christ, that you hold all things together. That everything was formed by your hand. And then this beautiful picture, this mosaic of grace that you call the gathering, the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ, you hold it together. You had the idea before the foundation of the world and you are the leader of it. And we're so grateful for that, Lord. And so he is the head of the body of the church. And I love that he says this, he is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. And there's about 50 nuances of that that God brings my heart down. But the 
single one that I want to park on today is, don't you find it interesting that, you, that we read that Jesus leads the church, and oh, by the way, as a leader of the church, he steps into death and speaks life. As a leader of the church, he is the firstborn from among the dead, meaning he went to de- death, hell, and the grave, and he exploded the grave, and then he says, I lead this church, and the church is a place of resurrection. The church is a place of life and hope. The church is a place that says, Lord, you are with us from the beginning. You are with us in the middle of all this. You are the firstborn among the dead. And if you want to know our purpose, here it is, church. Here is the entirety of our purpose in a nutshell. So that in all things, he is supreme. If you can walk away with this, the the Lord is sufficient. He is supreme. And our role is to say, Jesus, hold us together. Focus our lives on you. You are the firstborn among the dead. You spoke life into our hearts. We're so deeply grateful. We run to you with absolute joy. You lead us then as the firstborn among the dead to speak resurrection in life. And when it's all said and done, nobody talks about any other person. Here's what we're crowning achievement of our lives. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is the soul. Jesus is the one. Jesus is... And it would be great if we could just put, hey, we're all about Jesus on our sign. We're redoing our sign. I'm rethinking it right now. Just like we could just put two words. The supremacy of Christ. I think that's three, four. That's a lot of words. It's more than I should count in this moment. I mean, we should just say, Christ, in all things, you are supreme. I I mean, this has so many opportunities to grab a foothold in our lives. I mean, and here's what I know about Jesus because I actually taught this a few weeks ago that when chaos is abounding, Jesus runs into the middle of that chaos. And I was listening to to Dr. Davis last week speak about all of the sufficiency of Christ, all of the supremacy of Christ, the fullness of Christ. And verse 18 locked my heart. So Jesus, if you run into chaos, so should we. If you run into chaos and bring order, so should we. I mean, if that's what you're doing at all times, if you are, if you read on down in verse 20, it says, it says crazy words like, he is making peace through his shed blood. It is the cross of Jesus Christ that stands over all. And in the middle of that, the church of Jesus Christ says, we have had you, get this, get this, we have had you, Lord, run into the middle of our chaos, into our lostness, into our death. And in the middle of all that, here's what you did. You brought life. You brought forgiveness, you brought redemption, you brought hope. And so, God, we praise you for that. And out of that, because we are now a part of the firstborn from among the dead as well, we as your church, we're running. And we get to do that. And it's really messed up people of, of Jesus' day. And when Jesus sees chaos, he says things like, I just wrote down this series, is called The I Am. He says, I am the light of the world. So when people are looking for something blazing yellow, they will look into the church and they'll see me. He says, he says, I am the resurrection. He says, I am the way. And he carries on with that. I am the truth and I am the life. He's, he's saying all this just to really you know, move people's hearts. I am the bread of life. If you are hungry, come find fulfillment in me. Because I am supreme. That's what Jesus would say. I am the true vine. I am a good, great shepherd. That's who I am, as Jesus would say. I'm the door. I am the light of all mankind. And Colonel Dan locked in on this part last week in John, the 8th chapter, the 58th verse. If we're going to get this, if we're going to understand that Jesus is the head of the church, then there's a simple story 
birthed out of a, a, a significant statement by Christ in John 8, 58, when he says, Before Abraham, I am. Now, all of us and in this church, if you've just heard me say, He is the resurrection and the life. He is the door. He is the gate. He is the way. He's the truth. You, you heard all that. And most of you in this room, if not all of you, are going, Yeah! Amen! Praise you, God! Except the group that heard John 8, 58, when he said, Before Abraham was, I am. They didn't have a good response to that. They started tearing their clothing and they started gnashing teeth. And they, they, they started just, it was the, it was one of the catalysts to, to the crucifixion of Christ. Cause he was actually, as, as Dr. Davis said last week, once again, I'm writing notes like crazy. And as, 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 as he was speaking into that, as Jesus was speaking into this, they were just absolutely stunned and blown away because they knew what Jesus was equivocating about himself. He was saying, you know, this is who I am. And he was walking back to an incredible Old Testament story that I think has eternal implications for us. And that's the only story I want to tell today. And it's found in Exodus, the third chapter. I've alluded to this story a few times. I doubt that you're going to hear anything new today. I just think that we should probably do something with this. And I think God's going to do something very unique as he just allows us to say, Jesus, if you're the head of the church and you use us to run into chaos... And Jesus, you are the firstborn among the dead. And then because we're joint heirs with Jesus, most of us in this room who have asked Jesus Christ to be Savior, Redeemer, and Friend, we are now joint heirs with Jesus. So we are a part of the firstborn of the dead. Praise God. We are fully alive in Christ. And so if that's who we are, and then because we are made alive through Christ, we're a part of the church. And because we're a part of the church, we are bringing life. Because all of that's happening, we should probably understand this. My little single sentence of the day is this. God is always looking for ordinary people to play significant roles in his story. He's always doing that. And to understand when Jesus says, before Abraham I am, is to understand what he was speaking in Exodus, the third chapter. And he was speaking some significant truths about the church. And Jesus is always looking for ordinary people to play significant roles in his kingdom. Ordinary people, if you are fond of yourself, ordinary people make up his church. Just people who are so thankful for grace and so thankful for mercy. And so Jesus being God and Jesus, they're all one, being supremely confident in himself, loved to move in his heart toward the most surprising people. And so once again, if you're a little bit excited about yourself right now, This is what I read in Scripture about us. Not only does he love to graft ordinary people into his story, he loves to graft surprising people into his story. He loves to graft humble people into his story. He loves to graft the most shocking people, those who don't have it together, those who are not all of that, those who are humble and filled with grace. And that's who he brings into his story and says, okay, now here we go. And I mean, he just uses the least of us. And he just fights us in and says, look, I'm going to do something extraordinary. And, and by the way, I'm going to do this. I, this story out of Exodus 3 as a part of the I am is really just, just God saying, I'm hearing these things about my people. I'm hearing that they're enslaved. I'm listening to their cries. This is all Exodus, the third chapter. I'm listening to what they're about. I'm listening to their pain and suffering. I'm listening to their slavery. I'm, I'm watching as they are having to forge altars having to forge idols to the pharaohs and it is breaking my heart 
And so I'm, I'm going to go about rescuing them. And don't you love this? So who would you choose? And I know you know this story. Just don't let that knock off this point that God loves to choose ordinary people to move forward his extraordinary story. And he uses the most surprising people. When some of you have been in church so long that you've heard the flannel board story, and you heard this actually when they chipped it out on a piece of flint because you were pre-flannel boards and you're so used to this story. You know, you, you're just kind of going, you know, pastor, we're, we're just at lunchtime, it's Mother's Day. No, no, this is a great story because what God is saying in this account of Scripture is that he loves to use ordinary, shocking people. For instance, if you're going to rescue one or two million people, would you go to the other side of nowhere, which is the actual literal translation of where Moses was? You would literally go to the backside of nowhere, if you really want to get literal, and say, here's where this guy is. He is on the backside of nowhere, doing no big thing. He's up in years, for those of you that have a little bit of silver in your hair, I'm getting some as well. He's up in years and completely shocking. And so the Lord just kind of rolls into his life and says, look, I've got some things going on and here's how he spoke it. And you know this, there was a bush. It was a flame. And, and to know the story about the bush of flame is to know this is a critical moment in the life of the church. There's, there's, there are literally probably six weeks worth of sermons out of this, but I just want you to know that flowing out of this moment, this is huge for us. Because here's what I know. God loves to use ordinary people to advance his extraordinary story. He loves to do that. And here's how he uses those ordinary people. You see, the, it's not a significantly, un, uh, you know, unusual occurrence for a, for a bush to burst a flame. It's unusual for it to continue to be a flame. And that was happening. But here's the part about Moses that most of us miss. There's two words that are powerful. Moses turned aside. Literally means he turned and walked over and said, I wonder what's going on here. And the problem with many in the fellowship of Christ is that, A, we don't actually believe that we may be useful for the kingdom of God or that God has something huge for us. That could be a problem for us. But the more significant problem in lieu of, of this Exodus 3 encounter is that we rarely, if ever, turn aside to hear the voice of God. And we're wondering, we're wondering, why aren't we in the middle of some God story? Why aren't we in the middle? Well, I don't know. Moses would have missed it too if he had not turned aside. Because here's what I know about God. He is always at work around us. He's always moving around us. And he's always inviting people into the story. And then I know this much about God. He looks throughout the land of those whose hearts are turned toward him. And he moves toward them. And for those of us who are in this moment, we're sitting and saying, we want to be in a, a, a rescuing epic of God. We want to be a part of the church of God. And here's just a question. How are you at turning aside to hear the voice of God? How are you at saying, God, I am so deeply bound in your word that your word dwells in me richly. God, I am hearing your voice speak to me. God, I know that you're speaking because I'm one of your sheep. And you say this clearly, that your sheep hear your voice. And God, I'm hearing it. It's so beautiful. And that just Here's what I know, that God loves to use ordinary people and graft them into his extraordinary story. And Moses just turns aside and God is, God is just enjoying that moment. And, and there's really a fun play on words. If you read Exodus 3, it says, it says um, they have this conversation and, Moses, and God says, where are you? And Moses says, here I am. I don't have anything to preach out of that. I just think that is such a neat moment. Here I am. Here I am. I'm right here, 
And I'm, I'm realizing as we go on in this dialogue that I am not the important one in this story. I'm not the center of this story. And, I, and so God starts to lay out the plan. You've, you've heard this before. I'm going to kind of move on through this part. So God looks at him and says, take off your shoes. It's just holy ground. I, I think some of us could look at our lives, and this could be a whole nother ramp off, but I'll just ramp off quickly and ramp back on. I, for me, symbolically, his shoes represents that which is separating him from the holy. An incredible opportunity for us to simply step in and say, God, what is it in my life? What is it? What sin? What is it that's breaking your heart? What compromise? What is it that hinders me from standing in the midst of your holiness and getting every moment of the holiness of your fervor that I can? Not jotting notes. There's two pretty great points going on. He turned aside and he took off the sin that's so easily entangled him. He engaged in the conversation because he started to realize God may just be using a significantly older man on the backside of nowhere into the midst of a God-sized story. So God starts telling him, this is where we're amening. We're good with this. In fact, you probably amen in your heart a little while ago. If you didn't, shame on you. Because he, God starts to say to him, I'm going to rescue some people. It's going to be a magnanimous story. I am going to display my might and wonder. I am going to step in. I am concerned for their suffering. Their cry has reached me. And as we hear all that, we're like, yeah. You know, or we say amen, which means so be it, Lord. We're really good at that. And they're all amen. Well, they're not no they. There's, there's Moses standing here talking to him, believing that God wants to use ordinary people in the midst of his great plot, his great story. And so he's going, amen, praise you, Lord, I'm with you, amen, I've got this, Lord. And then and then the Lord just kind of says, I'm going to rescue, I'm going to go in. I mean, he didn't start telling him what all is going to happen, like seas are going to part and all that. He just says, I'm moving in, I'm rescuing, I'm going. And he's going, hallelujah. I mean, and you know, he's, he's brought out the hanky. And he's, I mean, he's, praise you, Lord. I mean, you know, and, and I mean, he's just going for it. And then all of a sudden says, so you... Go! And the whole thing comes to a pause. He's like, well, I was good when you were going to do it. God loves to graft ordinary people into his extraordinary plot. And he's saying, look, Moses, I want you to know, I am going to do this. I am going to move. There are going to be significant things that are happening. Go. Now, I, that would change our posture as a church. See, all of you were going, got a puzzle piece. Could you hear him? I don't know what he said about this puzzle. There are kids all around the world, different needs, mentoring, opting. Amen. We love it. Okay? And then the Lord gets to the point where we're standing by, where we're feeling it. And then and then he says, okay, so you go. Because there are 750 children in the state of Florida who don't have a home right now. What are you going to do about that? There are a couple of thousand Jacksonville who are going through sexual, sexual mental, and emotional abuse. What are you going to do? There are, it's amen until right now, and then it gets awfully quiet. Like, can we just have Mother's Day? It's chicken is getting overcooked. Just move, no, no, I mean, I, this is the same moment that he's having, Moses having it. Amen, praise you, Lord. I love what you're doing. Me? Seriously? And then he starts to walk with him through the journey of all his deficiencies, which is where we all are. Don't you know I stutter? Do you not, didn't you show up my last birthday, Father? You know how many candles were on that cake? They had to call the fire department. You know, that's his, that's where he is in that moment. Are you kidding me? I mean, God's saying, so go. 
And he's going, don't you know me? And the Lord says, I know you. Trust me. Follow me. Come after me. I am moving. You and I make this great tandem. And I just a great idea for you. God and anyone else makes a great team. It's just when we're walking in Him. And so, you know, God is looking for ordinary people who will play a significant role in His unfolding story. And so Moses says, um, after a good bit of dialogue, I need to know who you are. I'm willing to go and I've walked through all my deficiencies. I've turned aside. I've laid aside sin. I've started this dialogue with you. I want to know who you are. Who is it that is sending me? Who is this that I go in? In whose name? And he says, I am. This is what really threw a kink in, in John 8, 58. This messes up the religious folk who just say, we want to do church. And, and I love this because in John 8, 58, as Jesus said this, he was coming back in and shaking up the church a lot and saying, it's not enough for you to have a religious facade. I am. Before Abraham, I am. I'm moving, living, bringing order out of chaos. I am, I am breathing through the life of this church. And Moses says, tell me who you are. And Jesus says, I, or God, what Jesus did too, I am. I am. Moses said, that's, that's, that's good. Can you clarify that for me? Because I'm not real clear about this. And he walks on and he says, I am. I love this. I am who I am. And, and this is just a little, not a lot of Greek for you, but this is the present active form of the word to be, which is even more exciting. Because what he is not saying is, like, I am right now in this moment, but I may not be. In, in, in a few. No, no, what he's saying is, I have been, I am right now, I forever will be, and if there is anything past that, I be. I have been, I am, I will be, I forever will be, I forever have been, I am the living God. And I am standing in among ordinary people wanting to do extraordinary things, and I'm inviting you in. That's who I am. And God is just looking at that. And look what he's saying in Colossians 1.18. You are the church. He is the I am. He holds it all together. And he is moving forward as the firstborn from among the dead to bring resurrection and life and hope. He is stepping in and saying, I want to bring rescue and redemption to millions of people on this earth. I am. Do you want in? Do you want to go with me? I mean, I, I love this. He's saying... I am unchanging, constant, unending. I am the same every day and forever. I am the owner of everything. I am more than enough. I am inexhaustible. I am uncontainable. I am immeasurable. I am the one true wise God. That's who I am. I invite you in. And I love, I just, all those sentences I, that I put in your notes just for me fit right in this moment. And I think that Dr. Dan said last week, he takes in the middle of his I am in the middle of his bringing order out of chaos, he takes churches that have lost their God-given path and establishes upon a new path for his glory and his renown. He takes a life that's you and I individually that is wrecked and marred by sin, and he makes it new and whole again at burning bush moments saying, I love to involve ordinary people in my story. As best I can tell, according to Colossians 1.18, as best I can tell, it is in and through Jesus Christ who is all-sufficient and supreme that chaos is... that order abounds in the midst of chaos, that rescue and redemption happens. But as best I can tell, according to Colossians 1.18, the conduit is the church. 
us. But he literally stands among a bunch of ordinary people and says, I am going to move in this world. I am going to rescue. I am going to redeem. I am going to step in temporarily to some children's lives, which we've talked about today, and give them hope. But here's what I'm going to do that's far more significant. I am going to eternally step into lives and give them an entirely new name. I am going to adopt them not just into your family, but I'm going to adopt people, manifold people, into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I am going to rescue them from darkness. I am going to place them in the kingdom of the Son of God. I am. You want in? That's the church. So Jesus, as he was standing at this precipice, and we're in a series called I Am, it bothered the people because he was messing with them. He was messing with them and saying, look, we're, we're not going to do this like we've done it. We're going to move forward for the sake of the glory of Christ. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the center of the church. Let's move forward for the glory. Let's do this. And here's what I believe Jesus is saying. I just wrote down some thoughts that I think he wants to do as the firstborn from among the dead, which is the middle of us. I think he's looking at us and saying, Here, here's, look, Moses, I, I, I'm going to go and rescue people who are in the middle of, of, of slavery. And here's what I think he's saying to us. I'm going to resurrect some lives, some homes. I'm going to resurrect relationships. I'm going to resurrect some integrity that's been laid at the altar. I'm going to resurrect hope and honor. I'm going to resurrect passion that has, has dampened in the hearts of some. I'm going to resurrect zeal. I'm going to resurrect children. I am going to resurrect marriages. I'm going to resurrect those who are hungry. I am going to feed them because I am the bread of life. I am the hope. I am the way and truth in life. I am the resurrection, and I am in the middle of the church, and I lead it, and I hold it together, and the church brings resurrection. And so, in case you don't know your name, this is credit to a guy that I love named Louis Giglio. I was listening to him speak 10 years ago and he says, so if he is that I am, do you know what your name is? Are you familiar? Your name is I am not. I am not the center of this story. I am not the center of anything. I am not. But I know I am. I am not the fulcrum. I am not the solution. I am not all power, I am not sufficient, and I am not in control, but I know I am. And the I am stands before us and says, that's beautiful. Because if you'll go in that sufficiency, if you will go in that passion, then I'm going to rescue millions. Moses, let's do this thing. Now, he still had some excuses. He still struggled. But if you know the rest of the story, it's pretty vibrant. With a few mess-ups, that's what gives us hope. And I think God wants to write a vibrant story in your life as the head of this church, as the leader of this body, and as the firstborn among the dead. And so in my mind, we stand beside a fire right now with a God who says, I want to deeply impact Mandarin and the nations. Are you in? This is not an invitation from a pastor. This is an invitation from the I am. Are you in? Jesus Christ, thank you for a beautiful day today. Thank you that you are a great and glorious Father. Thank you for a day to celebrate. 
Thank you for a day to worship. And now thank you for a day and moment to respond. God, I pray in your grace and your mercy that you move forward in our lives and that you move us forward for the sake of your glory. In Jesus' name I pray and we hope. Amen. Amen, amen.